0: ago, called first, called first. And so uh, I'm going to start by reading Luke chapter uh, 16, and then we'll eventually get to Luke chapter 19. And we're going to put all these scriptures on the screen. So if you have a Bible, if you have a phone, you have a tablet, you can follow along, but if you're new to grace, you can also follow along on the screen. Luke chapter 16, we're going to start in verse 10. It says this, "He who is faithful in what is least is faithful." also in much, and he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Now let's stop right there. Most times when you've heard that verse before, if you have, some people try to say, well, that means that, you know, before you get to be the CEO you got to be faithful doing the little things. you got to be faithful if you're the janitor. Man, you work hard as a janitor. You're faithful. You show up. You do your job. Man, promotion's coming your way. If you're faithful in all these little things, then God's going to promote you. and, And so that's what people try to apply this verse to. Now, I believe in that principle. Absolutely, it is true. But this particular scripture in Luke chapter 16, Jesus is talking... And he's talking strictly about money. This particular portion of scripture is all about finances. Watch what happens. It says, therefore, if you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who is the God of money, unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you, your trust, the true riches? And if you've not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Jesus goes on to say, no servant can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he'll be loyal to one and despise the other. Watch what he says. You cannot serve God and mammon or you cannot serve God and money. Now the Pharisees who were lovers of money also heard all these things and the Bible says they derided him. In other words, they turned up their nose at him. Watch this. Some people just don't like it when you talk about money. Pastor, you can talk about anything else. I'd rather you get back to the fasting. Come on now. Some people just go, well, just talk about fasting. We'd rather you preach on fasting than preach on money. Some people just don't like it when you talk about money. But the reason Jesus talked about money, and watch this, he talked about money actually more than he did heaven. Jesus talked about money more than he did hell. Jesus talked about money more than he did prayer. Jesus talked about money over and over in the scriptures. And the reason he talked about money is because money talks. How many of you heard that phrase? Let me tell you, money does talk. That's why it's important for us to talk about money because money, money itself talks. You know what money says to you? The first thing money says to you is this. I am your source, and I don't just mean I'm your source to pay your bills. I'm your source to make sure you got your your, your house in order. I make sure you got, you're able to decorate. He says this. Money says this. I'm the source of your happiness. I'm the source of your security. Because of me, you can be secure. Because of me, you have a future. Money tells us all the time, I am your source. That's why we say over and over, we put it on our envelopes. I say it every time we pray. Hey, God is our source. Money is not our source. Somebody say amen. Money is just a servant. It is not a master. It's not the source. God's the source. Guess what? Your business is not your source. The strength in your body, the wisdom of your mind is not your source. Certainly the government's not our source. Come on now. Listen, God has to be our source. And so money talks. So we have to talk about money. You know, the next thing money says to you, It not only says I'm your source, money also says this. Money says, you don't have enough of me. Boy, I heard that for so many times in my lifetime. Money has just told me over and over, you just don't have enough of me. If you only had a little bit of more me, then you could give, then you could tithe, then you could bless people. If you just had more, then you could do more. But since you don't have more, you can't give. You can't tithe because you don't have enough of me. But if you win the lottery, come on now. If you win the lottery, then you could give, which we'll take, man, we'll take, no, no problem. And you win 500 million, we'll, we'll take some. But I want you to know this, money will always tell you that. Money will tell you, in a few years, you'll have more of me. And when you have more of me, then you could really be extravagant. Then you could really be generous. But guess what? A few years later, you get the raise, you get the promotion, more money comes in. What does money tell you then? You still don't have enough of me. You know, there are people with millions of dollars who who will hold on to it thinking, "I, I just don't have enough. I need more. Money always tells you, you need more. And so the reason we have to talk about money is because money talks to us. And so we have to combat what money's saying to us. Now watch what else Jesus says back to them. In verse number 15, it says this, that Jesus actually talked back to them. And Jesus said this, he said, uh, well, let, well, actually, we'll go through a few more verses because I want to talk to you about what God says about prosperity. First, let's talk about giving. The first thing you need to know is this. There's three types of giving. I want to put this up on the screen. The first type is actually your tithe. Your tithe. It's the first 10% of your income. Right? So money talks to us and says, oh, you can't tithe. But your tithe is that first 10% of your income, and this is where we lose control. We lose control over three things. We lose control over when, we lose control over where, and we lose control over how much. You know, those are the three hardest things when it comes to finances. The three hardest things are giving up control over when. I, I won't say so over when I give. And we we have a tough time giving over control over where? God says, you bring it to the storehouse. You give it to the church. You bring it to the place where you're fed, your storehouse. And we have trouble with that because we go, well, I'd really like to give to where I wanna give. I wanna give to this charity. I wanna give to this organization. And God says, no, you lose control over that. But here's the big one. God says, you lose control over how much? And that's where a lot of people struggle. Well, I'll give as much as I want to give, and I'm not giving any more than I want to give. And the struggle with it is we have to give God control. We sang it this morning, I give myself away, and those just aren't words on a screen that we lift up hands and we worship. Listen, when we come to God and we understand Christianity, that means we turn our life over to him. He is now in control of our life. We surrender to him, and that's every area of our life. And so the tithe, we have to lose control. The second type of giving is your offerings. This is where you pray and you give over and above. And you pray, you hear the voice of God, and then you give as the Lord tells you to give. The Bible says, as you purpose in your heart, so give and you give cheerfully. But you say, well, pastor, does that mean I have control? No, God speaks and we're obedient. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You say, well, pastor, when are we getting to the part where I get control over what I give? Well, if you're waiting for that, you're gonna be here a long time because really we never have control over it. We never have control over it. The tithe belongs to God. Offerings, we hear from God. Now we have the ability to hear from God and then we come into agreement and we give God then. And then the third type of giving is your alms. Your alms are when you give to the poor, you give to the needy. And the Bible actually says when you have the ability to give and you don't give, it's actually a sin. So we have to understand when we hear the cry of the poor, God expects us, if we have the capability, if we have the ability, he expects us to hear the cry of the poor and respond. So really in every area of our finances, we turn it all over to God. Hallelujah. Boy, it's quiet in this Catholic church. It really is quiet. (laughs) Some of you are going, Pastor, get back to the fasting. Get back to the skipping meals. I like that better. No, this is important for us to know. And let me tell you, this sermon's going to get better. It's going to get better. All right? It'll get a little more exciting as we go. But we've got to lay the groundwork of saying, hey, I have to give God control of my finances. And then when, when Jesus actually responds to them in verse number 15, listen to what he says. He said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your heart for what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. What does he mean by highly esteemed among men? This desire for more. This unwillingness to let go and, and and give and be generous, this this desire, we look at the celebrities and the, the rich and the famous, and we look at their life and we covet, we want, we want that. And God says that desire for you to just hoard and have more and more and more, that desire is an abomination to me. Wow. So if that's true, then what's the answer? I mean, well, then what do we do? Does that mean that God wants us to be poor? Listen to me, absolutely not. Can I just tell you today, poverty is a curse. It is not a blessing. Did you hear me? Poverty is a curse. If you looked at nations of the world that are are absolutely poor, it's because they worship false gods. I've seen it. I've been in those nations. I've been to Haiti. I've been to the poorest of the poor in Africa. I've seen how they, and and it's because they worship tribal gods because they, they practice and idolatry. Poverty is a curse. Let me tell you, contrary to what some people believe, Jesus was not poor. Come on now. Jesus was not poor. You say, well, pastor, it says that foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but Jesus himself said, I have no place to lay my head. He was just talking about the fact that he travels off from city to city and region to region. And he said, hey, if you're going to follow me, guess what? We move, we go. You better be ready. You said, well, the Bible says that Jesus became poor so we became rich, so we could become rich. No, that was talking about Jesus emptying himself of his deity, in other words, becoming spiritually poor so that through his spiritual poverty, we might be spiritually rich. It has nothing to do with money. Nowhere will you see Jesus was poor. Listen, Jesus had a treasurer. Come on now. Remember his name, right? Jesus had a treasurer, He had houses. His disciples had businesses. They had houses. Jesus wasn't poor at all. Man, when they crucified him, they actually gambled for his clothing. Jesus was not poor. So actually the Bible talks about prosperity. 3 John verse 2 says this, Beloved, I wish that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Hallelujah. Psalms 35 says this, God delights In the prosperity, not the poverty. The Bible says God delights in the prosperity of his servants. Hallelujah. He delights in it. When he sees you prospering, he sees you blessed. He sees you that that all your bills are paid. And man, you've got more than enough to give. God delights in that. Hallelujah. Nothing wrong with that. He delights in it. And then Deuteronomy 8.18 says this. It says, remember the Lord your God. For it is He that gives you power to get wealth. Not food, not clothing, huh? Not shelter. It's not your basic needs. If God meant food, clothing, or shelter, God would have said, Food, clothing, shelter, I've given you the power to get those things. But He uses the word wealth. I've given you the power to get wealth. That includes food, that includes clothing, that includes shelter, huh? It includes all of that, but it also includes more, amen? It includes the ability to be blessed and to give, hallelujah. And so there's nothing wrong with being blessed, amen? And there's nothing wrong with enjoying it. So there has to be an answer. So where do we find the balance? The balance is found in one word, one understanding, and that word is called stewardship. When I was pastoring my first church up in North Florida, man, we were struggling financially. My wife and I, the church was struggling financially. They set up, I didn't establish my salary. I've never established my salary. Other people do that. And so they set up my salary. They said, well, we're gonna give you 65% of the offering or $400, whichever one is greater. But our offerings, that would be like 300 bucks. So I'm trying, I got two kids and my wife and I, we're, we're just trying to get by on 65% of $300. I mean, do the math. It was tough. And I said, I said to a man that I highly respected, and I said, I, I, I just, I'm struggling I, and people aren't giving. And, and, and I'm t- I taught on tithing and nothing worked. I taught on offerings and nothing worked. He said, Brian, have you ever taught on stewardship? I said, What's stewardship? I didn't even know what it was. I mean, I'd heard the term before, but I said, Explain it to me. Explain what stewardship really is to me. Stewardship is where we come to an understanding that we are the managers and not the owners. Hallelujah. It's just coming to that understanding. And it's, it's a simple understanding, but it is monumental in its effects over our life amen if you're in Luke chapter 19 let's go there Luke chapter 19 I want to set it up for just a minute before we start reading Jesus is telling a parable and the Bible says that he's talking about the kingdom of God and he sets this parable up and here's what he says he says that there was a master who called three of his servants together he calls these three servants together and he gives each one of them the same amount he gives them 10 minas now a mina was about three months salary so he gives these guys 10 minus, about three months salary. So think about it in today's economy. And he says, hey, you go and do business, go and trade, and I'm going to come back and you're going to give an account. So let's pick it up, Luke chapter number 19 in verse number 15. And so it was that when he returned, this master, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know how much each man had gained by trading and the that came first saying master your mina has earned 10 minas now watch what this servant says master your money not mine whose is it your money got your money master your money has earned 10 minas and he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you were faithful in a very little, have authority over 10 cities. Now, think about this. He gives this guy who already increased, what does he give him? More increase. This guy worked hard, took his master's money, he increased it, and he said, Now you're going to be over 10 cities. Well, how much income do you get from 10 cities? It's more than three months' salary. It's more than 10 minas for sure. So this man worked and he was blessed because he worked. Verse 18 says, And the second came, saying, Master, your mina has earned five minas. Likewise, he said to him, You also be over five cities. So he didn't earn as much, but he still worked and he gained. He still increased. Then another came, saying, Master, here is your mina, which I have kept put away in a handkerchief. Now watch verse 21. Watch this. For I feared you because you are an austere man. You collect what you did not deposit. You reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, out of your own mouth, I will judge you, you wicked servant, you knew that I was an austere man collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank that at my coming I might have collected it with interest? And he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him and give it to him who has 10 minas. But they said to him, Master, he has 10 minas. Now watch this. This servant says to his master, I know you. You're a difficult man. You're, you're a hard man. I mean, you collect what you didn't even deposit. You reap where you did not even sow. So out of fear of who you are, I kept it and I hid it. I held on to it. I did nothing with it to increase it. Now watch this. Jesus is telling a parable and he's talking about the kingdom of God. Now, in the kingdom of God, we understand the servants represent us. The master represents God, right? Now, let me ask you this question. Don't answer out loud. Does God collect where he does not make a deposit? Does God ever reap what he doesn't sow? Huh? the answer is absolutely not why because that's luck and god isn't lucky huh god reaps where he sows he makes deposits he didn't get you by luck He got you because he sowed a seed. He put a deposit in the ground whose name was Jesus and that deposit reaped a harvest. He collected on it all of us. Amen. God isn't lucky. And so the master says back to the servant, out of your own mouth. Or you could say this, out of your own misunderstanding of who I am you're going to be judged. If you think I'm lucky, if you think I'm just lucky, you should have at least put it in the bank. After all, I'm lucky, if that's what you think. The greatest challenge that people who hold back finances and, are, and, and just either can't tithe or can't give or, or just don't understand stewardship is they have a misunderstanding of how good God really is just a misunderstanding. They just think, no, no, no. God's a taker. He's not a giver. I'm here to tell you that God is a giver. And if we misjudge this, right? If we misunderstand this, then we're misunderstanding the nature of God himself. You know, if you own a business here today, if if you're a businessman, if you're a businesswoman, if you've ever owned businesses, you've had employees, how would you like your employees to think of you, oh, he's just lucky huh? He just got a bunch of breaks. I mean, he was handed this business. He was handed all these opportunities. Man, he got such breaks. He got such he's so lucky. I mean, he's just, money just follows him. He don't even have to do anything to earn it. When in reality, they don't see all that you've had to do. They don't see all that you have to go through to build that business. They weren't there for all the hours that it took for you to put in and the sweat and and all that you did to build the business. They just think you Got lucky and listen. How would you like them thinking of that? Of you? Well, listen, God's not that way either. He's not that way either. He sows seed, huh? And He puts deposits down. And listen, here's what he does. He blesses us. Why? Because he is a good God. And the danger we have is misunderstanding his goodness. I shared last week, I said, listen, I've been studying this Bible a long time. I've been in ministry a long time. But just last month, as we're beginning a stewardship campaign, I had a misunderstanding of who God was. And I shared it last week. I said this, listen, we started this stewardship campaign and my wife and I, we committed to give to it. We said, hey, we've always jumped in. Whenever we've asked the church to do anything, we wanna be the first to step up and sacrifice ourselves and say, hey, we're gonna give, but I kept using that word sacrifice. We're gonna sacrifice, we're gonna give. And, And I knew I had some money coming in and I said, we're gonna give it and then we're just gonna go without. And the Holy Spirit said to me, you need to repent. You need to change your mind about that. Because I made God... Out to be a taker and not a giver right and the Holy Spirit said to me you need to repent about that thing because you don't understand my nature when you give to me I give back to you when you when you give man I pour back to you right when when you because I thought I'll just do without listen that's a misunderstanding of who God is That's why it's easy to be generous. That's why it's easy to tithe. That's why it's easy to give God control of your finances. Why? Because when you turn it over to Him, He's the God that blesses you. Listen, it's not that you do without. God gives you more. Amen? He just blesses us. Hallelujah. I had a text last week after announcing, talking about the stewardship campaign. And it was from this guy and he said, Pastor, my wife and I, we have been saving up and saving up and saving up for a a used, a good used truck we've got all this money saved up and the Holy Spirit as you were preaching he, he talked to me about that money and he said we're to give all that money and my first thought was is I'll just keep driving this truck around and we'll just keep it a little longer it's got 200,000 miles on it but we'll just keep it a longer but then all of a sudden when you said that testimony about you what you you had to experience and, and how you had to change your mind you had to repent on that way of thinking I said you know what instead of that I'm going to give all of that money and I'm going to believe God for a new- truck. I'm not going to believe God for some used truck. I'm going to believe God for a used, a new truck, brand new. Amen. That's the kind of God that we serve. Now see, there's always those that say, oh no, 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 you got enough, right? I mean, there were these in the Bible when God said, take that one minor and give it to him who has 10. Some said, oh, he's got 10 already. They're the first socialist in the Bible. I, I'm telling you the truth. That's the truth, because they say no, no, he's got too much. But the truth is, is that when you're blessed, huh? When you can, you and you're blessed. When you understand stewardship, then you can enjoy the blessings of God. Why? Because it's God that gave it to you. Hallelujah. I told you it was gonna get better, you're still quiet, but I told you the sermon was gonna get a a little bit better, hallelujah. So there's nothing wrong with having, there's nothing wrong with enjoying it, there's nothing wrong with being blessed, as long as you understand stewardship. It's not mine anyway, hallelujah, it's not mine anyway. It's God's, and listen, when I work hard, and when I sow seed, God's gonna bless me. I'm telling you right now, I believe that for my life, my wife and I said, this year, we're going to be extravagant givers like we never have before. We've always tithed. We've always given offerings. But we said, this year, we need to turn the corner on that thing. There's some things that, that, that I believe God wants to do in us that, that hasn't happened yet. We're saying, okay, here's the key. The key isn't withholding. The key is being generous. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Y'all with me today? Y'all still thinking about fasting or something? Y'all still stuck on fasting? Because it's real quiet. And I know, because no, a lot of people don't want to hear about money. The Pharisees, they said, no, 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 don't talk, talk about anything besides money. But Jesus talked about money because money talks back. It really does. And then it says this, watch this. And at verse number 26, for I say to you that to everyone who has will be given And from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. The Bible says this, listen, when you're generous, when you give, and when you work, right? I'm not just talking about sitting around just, just trying to collect. I'm talking about you give, but you also work. God blesses you. And then he gives you more. He just gives you more. Why? So that you can just continue. To understand stewardship. It's not mine anyway. It's all God's. Hallelujah. Listen, Jesus was not poor. God is an extravagant God. God delights in the prosperity of his servants. In fact, something supernatural, watch this, something supernatural happens when we combine praying, giving, and fasting. In Matthew chapter 6, the very first verse, Jesus is laying out his doctrine in the Sermon on the Mount. And he says this, the very first thing he says, when you give, very first thing in that chapter, he says, when you give, he said, don't give like the hypocrites. He began to give instructions. And when he finished that thought, what was his next thing he said? He said, when you pray, when you pray. And then he, he finished that thought and then he went on to the next thing and he said this, when you fast. He's laying out his doctrine and he says, there's three things I want you to do. I want you to give. I want you to give. I want you to understand, hey, it's not mine anyway. I lose control over it. It's all God's. It's all God's. If he says give it, I give it. And then I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna pray. Amen. How many of you know that's important? Nobody has any trouble talking about prayer. We all know that's necessary. In fact, we all probably think I, I need to pray more. And when you fast, now that's another one we struggle with. But as we are coming to the close of 21 days of fasting, we've got six more days, including today. Six more nights. We meet tonight. We've been meeting every night for for the last 14 days with the exception of Saturdays. We meet tonight and then Monday through Friday and we end Friday night and then we have prayer Saturday morning and then that's it. And I wanna encourage you with this. Something happens when you give and you pray and you fast. And let me tell you, I can show you in the word of God. There was a man in Acts chapter 10 by the name of Cornelius he, he did not know Christ, but he had a good heart and he was a seeker. He was searching. He had an angelic visit. And when he described it to Peter, here's what he said to Peter. He said, Peter, I was actually fasting. I was fasting. And an angel showed up, hallelujah. And the angel said to, to me, your prayers, come on now, and your giving, right? Your prayers and your giving, your heart for the poor, your giving, your alms, that has come up as a memorial to me. So he had a divine visit. Now watch what happens. I'm going to show you a quick video from a man by the name of Jensen Franklin who is talking about what happens when we pray and when we fast in connection to Cornelius and what needs to happen in our house this year, in our church, in your life. Watch this quick video by Jensen Franklin.
1: I'm so glad that thousands upon thousands of you are joining us. I'm standing in Caesarea, Israel. This is where Simon Peter was fasting and praying and God gave him a vision. And actually there was another man, a businessman by the name of Cornelius who was fasting because he didn't know God and wanted to know God, wanted his family to know God. And God said to Cornelius, "Send an angel after three days of fasting and the angel said, God has heard your prayer and your prayers and your giving to the needy has come up as a memorial before the throne of God. And I have come to tell you what to do to be introduced to God. Isn't that amazing? And the Bible said that they sent for Simon Peter, he came to this place, Caesarea, and he preached Christ to a Gentile Italian man by the name of Cornelius. And the Holy Spirit fell on him, fell on all of his family, all of his house. Boy, as you're fasting on these 21 days of fasting, that's one thing I claim for you, that the Holy Spirit will fall on your house. That every one of your children, every one of your grandchildren will know the power of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know who I'm, who's watching me right now and who's fasting, but one thing I've learned about fasting, when you fast, you get clarity of vision. When you fast, God will give you clarity of vision. And the Bible said something so significant in the book of Acts, the 10th uh, chapter. It said that when God gave Peter the vision that He gave him, He doubted But once the vision was confirmed and the men who were sent by an angel showed up knocking on the door, Peter said, Don't doubt the vision. That's in your Bible. And what I'm praying for you today is that God will renew your vision. God will renew the dream. And the word that I hear in my spirit for you on this 21-day fast is, Don't doubt the vision. The Apostle Paul said... In 2 Corinthians, he said, "...I will come to vision." Not, "...I may come to vision." "...I hope I come to vision." But there came a place where the doubt was removed, and he said, "...I will come to vision." Habakkuk put it this way. He said, "...Though the vision tarries, don't quit, don't give up, don't throw in the towel, but wait for the vision. It will truly, surely come to pass." God said, "...It will not lie. It will come to pass." And the amazing thing is I'm standing in the place in Caesarea where the Holy Spirit was poured out on a businessman's house. And for the first time, the gospel broke out of just being a gospel to the Jewish people. But it became an international gospel for all men, all races, all colors and nationalities. And that happened because a man said, God, I'm fasting and praying for your will for me and my family. Now, Father... I pray from this place today for the people who are fasting and praying that you would pour out your spirit on their house like you did for Cornelius as he fasted. I pray for clarity of vision. I speak someone while they're fasting and praying will get clarity of this season of their life and a renewed vision and a renewed dream. I thank you for it. And listen, I feel like saying it from Caesarea, Israel. Don't doubt the vision. What God has promised, He will bring it to pass. He's done it for me. He continues to do it for me. And He's going to do it for you. Keep on fasting. We love you. Bless you.
0: Amen. 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 You believe that? Now watch this. I know that that some struggle in, in certain areas. Uh, praying, fasting, giving, I know those can be areas where they really struggle, especially when it comes to fasting and giving. But I mentioned earlier that the key to understanding how to balance your finances out and understand that God didn't call us to poverty, that's a curse. That's not, that's not holiness. You're not more holy because you do without. And, and God did not call us To just hoard money and just collect and just collect and just collect and not be generous and not have a giving heart. He didn't call us to that either. He called us to stewardship, to where we can give, but also at the same time still enjoy the blessings of God and have no problem living the life God's called us to live. Because after all, it's not ours, it's God's. So we can be blessed and say, hey, I'm gonna be blessed and 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 whatever anybody says i don't don't care of course i don't never care what people think about us my wife and i we've never kind of worried about that too much so so i mean you know because we know the work that we've put in we know so hey listen i'm i'm gonna enjoy the blessings of god i really am absolutely i am but when it comes to these next six days would you hear me now because I'm not just trying to teach you something because we're launching a stewardship campaign and oh, we need a big offering. I wanna talk to you about this year for your life. Because my wife and I, we talked about this for the last couple weeks. We said, you know what? I don't think we're living the way God intended us to live because too many times in our life, we've had to struggle and we've had... Things have been too tight. And we said, you know what? This year, we need to be extravagant in our giving and watch what God does. Not do without, watch how he blesses us. Amen? I believe that. You know, one day when I was pastoring in North Florida, we had a special event. You know, we've been doing 21 days of fasting, asking you to come each night. Well, we just had one night. We had a healing night. we gonna pray for the sick hey, we're going to do a healing night. It's going to be a special night. And so I was calling people that were missing. We were pastoring about 70 people in this church up in North Florida. And I called this one lady and I said to her, her name is Sister Kane. And I said, Sister Kane, we're having a healing service tonight. Would you come? We'd really like for you to be here. And she said, Pastor, I can't, I'm sick. And I said, well, Sister Cain, we're having a healing service where we pray for the sick. She said, I know, but I can't come. I'm sick. Not gonna be able to make it. You know, sometimes we live life that way. I know there's 21 days of fasting and prayer and believing God for breakthrough, but I got too much going on. Oh, you got too much going on to miss it. You've got too much in your life to miss it. Cornelius prayed and he fasted and he gave and God gave him clarity of vision that changed his life forever. In one day, he met Jesus Christ, was water baptized and was baptized in the Holy Spirit in one day. That's a good day, amen? But it wasn't just about that day. That day changed the course of his life. I'm believing God for something this year that's gonna change the course of my life. I'm believing God for the Holy Spirit to fall on my house. Amen? I need the Holy Spirit to fall on my house. I need Him to fall on my kids. I need Him to fall on my marriage. I need Him to fall on me. There's things in me I want to get rid of. Amen? That's why I want to encourage you to come. Come this, come this week. Put your schedule. Rearrange it. Do whatever you can to get here. We've just got six more nights, five days after today. Do what you can. Watch what God does in your life. Would you do this? Would you stand to your feet tonight or this morning, and, and just let me pray for you? Just let me pray for you. I want you to to just say, "Okay, God, I need something this year. I need something this year. I need breakthrough this year." Maybe you're here today and you're listening to that sermon. You go, you know what? I, I need financial breakthrough this year. I do absolutely. Now, man, if you if you're saying, "Okay, no, we're good." we're good we don't need anything else I'm just gonna make it on my own this year then hey that's between you and God but I mean as far as me and Cynthia we need God this year to come through in many areas of our life hallelujah and so there's a desperation that's on us And I hope it's on you as well